Welcome back to this week's episode of MVP uh, Real Estate Podcast. Uh, finally, another sunny day. I feel like the last two shows have just been like rainy. And then our guests come in with like a bright, sunny backdrop and we're sitting here in Wisconsin. Uh, but we actually have a guest here from the UK today, uh, Comfort Smithson, uh, doing well, transitioning from architecture to interior design and now trying to blend the two together. So welcome to the show. Thanks for giving us the time. Hi, Marcus. Thank you so much. This is um, exciting. I'm so thrilled to be here and I look forward to sharing um, my journey <laughs> with you. Yeah, I'm glad to, to hear that you're doing interior design because, and I mentioned this before, before we started recording, the pictures in the background, like the black and yellow one caught my eye. And apparently that is part of what you are doing with the, you said that was African fabric? Yeah, yeah. So, so that is, um, it's basically my new twist to the interior design that I'm doing now. Um, so basically trying to create as much of the spaces with an African piece and more so an African piece that has been created by artisans from Africa. So the piece, the two pieces that you see at the back there are actually African batik fabrics that were handmade by um, East African artisans. And so, yeah, this is generally what I, that's my new, what would I say, signature design style um, for my interior design. That's awesome. Good night. And I guess let's, let's jump into it because last week I, we forgot to ask the question and actually hit us at the end of the show. How did you get into interior design? Like, what was your journey getting into that? Wow. Um, let's see. The long journey. The long journey. <laughs> Quite a long journey indeed. Um, so for a long time, I think from when I was a child, I've always just loved spaces. That's that's a given. Loved spaces, loved um, art and creativity and stuff like that. So naturally, out of all the programs that I was going to do at uni was going to be architecture. But along the way, when I was, you know, sort of, it was the architecture because it was more about the spaces that I was drawn to and there's no other way to I mean, architecture seems to be the only way to deal with buildings and spaces. So that's what I did immediately after. But of course, halfway through, I quickly realized um, what I was learning was a lot more in-depth architecture of, you know, buildings from scratch, blueprints and stuff, which is all well and good. But I realized it was not what drew me to spaces in the first place is actually the feeling that I wanted to create for individuals to actually walk into a space and just feel like, yes, this is like just that sigh. Um, and I realized some of the projects that we're doing, even just as assignments, were just not giving me that feeling. They felt very um, stark and, and like, this is what you're going to do and you have to do that. Although yes, I mean, given they're architects who have understood the concept and do that right. But anyway, long story short, um, so I did my architecture degree happy with it. Um, and then I went further on, I actually did a master's in urban management. And this was again, going back to me just loving spaces. So I felt, okay, if buildings are not doing it for me, maybe just, you know, an urban space. So I'm trying to show, because like my dissertation project was turning um, derelict rail yards into, you know, public spaces. So turning the, the, the trains, the train carriages into restaurants, um, you know, spaces in there. It was just about literally, because for me, that was all. I just love 
bringing life to spaces. Um, so that was that was when I was like, okay, boom. So my 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 master's is actually pretty much fun. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do urban management and do all these public um, projects. But then, um, yeah, life happened, and I moved to the UK with my family. And um, moving to the UK, of course, being a mom of two now, one who's four and one is two, I was just thinking, oh, okay, so what am I supposed to do with myself? So I thought gently getting into um, back into career after you know raising them, I would start small. So just start with interior styling and interior design, which is more or less what I really love to do. So I've did, been started doing a bit of you know home staging. Uh, we're basically helping people get their spaces ready for sale and stuff, um, as well as of course just rethinking spaces again based on this concept of bringing breathing life into places, but particularly with a very specific method that I use, which is using what you already have. Um, so and that's, that's a concept we could probably talk about a bit later, but yeah, so that's where it came to. Um, and now as I speak, it has gone into this signature program that we're doing with the signature design that is incorporating um, African, African design or African articles or African items because more of the clients that have been getting um, coming through my other design and creative brand, which is basically promoting African creatives, um, mainly through the batik fabrics. So that's how I'm here. And uh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's, you, you mentioned um, taking what you have and, and using that in your, I mean, for you into your design. Yeah. I think that is so cool that what you have is a unique perspective that other people in the UK don't have. You come from a different culture yeah. with uh, different tapestries, different architecture that you get to bring into a whole different culture uh, or society of people that they get to see what you do and bring it and adopt it into theirs. Yeah. Um, where you can kind of blend the two too. But I mean, you do that with builders. You can walk into builders here and I'm, you can, I mean, maybe not spot on get it, but you can kind of tell who built what home because of how they built it. So it's, it is kind of cool. You maximize what you have. You start to get a, a name for what you do and, and then people gravitate towards it. So one, kudos to you for sticking to what you know and what you like and, and influencing into other, other cultures on that one. Um, I definitely, I'm curious because I've one, never been to Africa and two, never been to UK. So I have to ask you, what is the big difference with architecture or interior design that you see between the two that you're trying to bring in? Is there any like glaring differences? Are building materials different? Are like, are one, are one single family homes and then a lot of condos or are there row homes? Like, how does that all, I don't know anything of the UK. Real estate. Well, um, yeah, there is definitely very distinct um, differences because in the UK, I, I feel like the UK generally um, construction is maximum use of space um, in a way that basically all the buildings make sense. Like you have just the right amount of rooms that you need. You don't have excess um, rooms. I mean, there are those who, who have the luxury buildings. So you have like, I don't know, 180 yeah. square meter living room or something. But generally, overall, there's just enough space for what you need. 
as opposed to home back home in Africa where everyone is like, the bigger the house, the more it is. And it's more about, I built my house. I might as well make it the, you know, yeah. the thing. And it's really huge back there. Um, and then even when you go into the interior spaces, everyone is trying as much as possible to really show you that I have got here. Like I've got to this level. And so they'll try and make it look as fancy in the hotel sense and which really worries me because, and that's what I've been working with most of the clients back home as well, is just trying to, they, they're so fixed on trying to make it look so modern, they forget to create, to, to leave the aspect of it being homey. And many of the houses here in the UK do that. So like I said, the space is just enough and you know the homes actually just feel like homes yeah um so that's the main that's that's kind of the difference but otherwise i mean construction wise oh of course construction wise there's a lot more acs in in africa um than here than here in the uk i mean summer comes and yeah we 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 deal with just opening windows and just enjoying that but um back home in africa there's lots of acs but um yeah i think that's that's the main difference i would say yeah yeah and those are, are pretty big ones. Um, I do like your your idea of making it feel homey. Yeah. Like I don't want my house to be hotel. Like I don't want the, the blankets to be folded in like a neat, like they're blankets. I was sitting on that last night. It's, it's lived in, I don't know. It's clean, but it's lived in. Yes, exactly. And that's what you want. And it's the same way I keep telling people, um, mess is okay. Like you can come, because that's, it's your home. Honestly, for goodness sake, if you can't be that way, your home, unless are you going to be able to do it? Unless you're married to a hospitality business and then you'll see that he folds his blankets and puts them, I'm like, no, it's supposed to be a throw. You're supposed to throw it. It's supposed to look like that. He's like, no, it needs to be folded. I'm like, no, it doesn't. I went to my interior designer and they had this centerpiece and it was a bowl with like some rocks and some random stuff in it. It did look nice. And the bowl was like, it wasn't a straight bowl. There's some waves in it. It was creative. But the blanket underneath was like creased and then smushed and then folded over here, but then running on that side of the table. And they had moved it for the meeting. So I was responsible for putting it all back and I didn't see it before. So I laid it like perfectly flat and put the bowl on top. And she's like, that was terrible. Yes. I was like, I don't know. Yes. She had it placed in such a way with like the folds and all that. I, that's over yeah. my head. <laughs> and honestly, if, I mean, even it goes as far as, I mean, even when we're doing staging, you, yes, you want the place to look like a home as much as possible. So trying that exactly what she did was just create, just trying to, make that ease of okay it's just as simple it's home mm-hmm. and at home you'd find that it's natural that the throw is kind of you know just there and yes yeah there are the one or two occasions where you do have someone who's very perfect like i want it folded and stuff like that but even then you can you can find a hack to it and fold it and put it on the you know he doesn't win that more with me right like i still happy wife happy life let's be honest exactly exactly that's not (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah it's really critical to like for me i think that is top of my list every time and probably every interior designer says that but it is really 
that homey feeling that I want every project to have. Um, and that's why I said when, when I was doing it, when I was studying architecture, it was that feeling that I'm always looking for, whether it's a public space or whether it's a home or whether it's um, a hotel. I want someone to walk in there and feel like, ah, you know, this is it. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to, oops, okay, I'm only here for a few minutes. Um, you're just, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I think that was super cool that you were, and I, it didn't sound like you were on that path, but um, turning old non-used spaces into now being used. We have a restaurant over here that we call the train depot and it's right next to the train tracks. It used, there was a part of it that used to be in one of the old train cars and now it's moved into just a restaurant, but that's, they still have the train car there that's off the rails, but right next to it. I thought it was super cool. Um, is that obviously isn't your main focus. Do you do both commercial and residential or do you focus more on just residential? Um, yeah, I do any, for me, it's more about the projects. Um, okay. I work on project basis as opposed to saying, I just stick to, um, you know, just doing residentials and what. It's about the project. If it's, if it's, and, and that's, I think that's the, the creative bug in me because it's more about what's the challenge that, what what's the interesting, what's the strategy that we're going to use to create this space. Um, and that's why even my interior design, it's less about, I do, you know, most people are like, I do only luxury or contemporary or this kind of thing. It's more for me with the interior design, it's the concept of how much of what's existing can we use to be able to create this space or how much of what you actually already have can we use to create the identity or, or what you want in this space? That's cool. Do you have like your number one unique project? Like you did a, a cool project here. What, what would be the one if you had it? Or uh, what is your favorite to work with? Like what's your perfect client that, that you get to do like a kitchen or a living room or a basement? Like, do you have a favorite? I'm putting no. you on the spot here. I know you have. Um, and I'm just trying to think, I don't think I actually do because like I said, it's about the different projects that I do and I'm very particular about what project it is. So each and every one of those projects always just gives me this buzz. Yeah. Um, and, and, but if, you, if we are going down that route, I think it would be the very first project where I had full complete control. And this is when we we're living in Tanzania before, before I moved to, um, I'm actually Ugandan, but I was in Tanzania for my uni. So it was that that was our first home with my husband. And again, it was a proper, completely rundown building. And we complete, turned it almost 360 degrees, full renovation, um, and just brought life. It was, yeah, that's probably my most, my favorite building up till now, because um, just completely became a home. And yeah, I miss it a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> You can always yeah. go back. What it's I love about it, unfortunately not. <laughs> what I love about your is it adds so much texture to the room. Like it's not just a flat piece. It, like le legitimately, I'm looking at the stuff behind you, and it just adds so much texture there. Like I want to go back and touch it and feel it and like experience it. Yeah, and and that for me is what um, also creates the spaces that I work with. Um, it's yeah, I, I also, weirdly enough, I do love neutral colors in rooms, like without a doubt, but it's just um, what is that 
splash of color that I could put in there and how do we put it so it, again either it's color or texture but or even a combination of the two like that you know it looks like it's actually like this textural colorful thing um and for me I think that's where the African bug comes in because generally Africans are just yeah we're just full of color and light yeah, and, and that's and yeah, it, that's what I know from the culture is bright clothing yeah. and I mean they like to express it through color so <laughs> it's surprising that you like neutral color is it customary to do the neutral colors on walls and floors and then you throw in yeah. like pillows and in paintings and artwork to throw in the color yeah. I, I, I like it's it's for me it's it's that's how I would always want to start so I just have the neutral I mean I do go for feature walls um so I, I'll do the one wall with either you know a gray or depending on what the room is anyway but um yeah generally my rule of thumb is always just start with the neutral um it's just easier and calmer and um unless of course the client is very specific but I think neutrals are so much more um, accommodating of you know your space the way you feel in the space the way you actually um, yeah because yeah I mean it is your space but if you have guests coming as, as well you know you want that yes they will be respectful respectful of your taste but you also want them to feel calm when they when they're in your house so yeah, yeah that's why I'm neutrals always <laughs> okay that's awesome so other than like the pictures we're seeing in the back yeah. what are what are some features that you pull in? Um, maybe some common themes that you use during your interior design process. Like, do you go into the space and think, okay, I can put this here and that here? Or do you have, okay, here's the style we're going for. Yeah. How do I adopt that style into this space? Like, yes. is, it, is the space custom or is your program set and you customize the space? Um, I, like I said, it's basically the program set of what do I have to work with? Who's living in the house? What are we doing? So for example, a very easy, um, easy one that I use is one of the clients who came, <laughs> came to me and said, oh, but we've just changed the house and we've, we've got this living room, di um, this living room and we've just put a wall. And yet it's still not working. And, we, and I was like, okay, first, why did you put the wall? They said, well, because the kids were, like, we wanted the privacy between the living room and for the kids. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, okay, that's, a, um, yeah. I, why, 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 as in you decided because you want to keep the kids out. But it was that, that's when I told, thankfully it was like a, a stud wall. So it was easy to take that down. And then I told him the concept of trying to avoid, because he's still young, then the child is still going to find a way to get around all these spaces. So how about um, creating spaces within the living room and dining room where he can actually still be a child and play, but, and then it's also easier for you to, you know, clear it up and put it away. So basically create his little nook in there um, and, you know, have the play area as opposed to, yeah, sometimes you could say he has a completely different playroom but he wants to be with you. He wants to be with the family. So why chuck him over away, you know, all the way that way? So that's a concept that I use. How much do you actually accept and involve um, everyday living in the space without having to be so drastic and, you know, put a whole stud wall just because you're trying to create? So um, and then it goes into, for example, the kitchen. 
if you're designing the kitchen, some people put um, um, items in the kitchen. It's, it's like arrangement of what's in the kitchen. What do you use every day that you would, you know, you'd need? And where, if you also have kids, is it possible to put the kids' stuff where they can reach? And that way they also feel like they're part of the space. And, you know, it, everyone is basically able to have their everyday living as smoothly as possible without, you know, getting frustrated. Um, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's just some of the concepts that I used. I don't know if it, if it comes clear, <laughs> clear yeah. now, but it kind of just works. It kind of just works when I'm, I'm in this space. So that's always the first thing I do. So it's a lot more about, um, for me, it's a lot more about sort of rearranging um, the space, rearranging the furniture, rearranging to be able to accommodate um, the everyday, because that is the most, I mean, that's home. It's your home. It's going to be the everyday things that you're doing right. that actually make it easier for yeah. you. You know, so even putting toys, put the toys somewhere where yes, you're going to let them play as much as they want, let them throw their things up. And that's why I said, I'm okay with mess because that's part of home. So just make your life easier and, you know, have a toy bucket there. Even, you know, like in my house, we, we've got a, a little toy basket upstairs in the living room because they still find a way to creep those toys somewhere upstairs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the playroom is downstairs. So it's just there. And then, you know, we'll chuck them in there and the living and the bedroom is back to, you know, back to normal. Yep. I have baskets. Every, every month or so you go and you clear out the basket and you reset toys. Yeah. Exactly. I have baskets for my dog's toys. I have baskets for my blankets. I have baskets for my shoes. I have baskets everywhere in the house. Exactly, exactly. And it just makes it so much easier when you start to think about a space from that. Like, what do you do every day and how can you make it work together that, that way? And again, sort of incorporating what you, what you love the most, you know, the pieces that you have. You always love sitting on the couch with a throw okay, so where are we going to put the throw that is not, you know, where everyone is happy with? If it's yeah. next to the, the sofa, right? If it's in a basket, great. If it's just hanging out on the sofa, that's okay. Um, so it's just stuff like that. That's my approach. Sorry? It still looks pretty. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, it's still, I mean, if you have a guest coming, you're like, as if by magic, the place just turns back to, wow how did this happen and it feels so nice I kid you know because I obviously I use that in my own house um and it does the mo the one time in the week when you actually do the final clear up and getting everything back because obviously the kids go to the toys and just like, <laughs> like and I'm just like yeah. no that's going to two days but once you actually do just put them away and it's so easy because it's just there but that feeling of ah oh, got a fresh space again <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's nice. Yeah. So you work with both the interior design people living in their homes. They want to renovate the space. You go in, you update it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they get the space they want. You also mentioned that you work with buyers and, uh, or I guess yeah. sellers. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, that working with the people that are living in the home and are going to enjoy the space, way more rewarding. Yes. But with those sellers, do you take a different approach? Because obviously you can't make it their space. So you have to make it a home space for anybody to envision what it could be. Do you do different things or how do you, do you just like taper down in the personal items, but still put in the splash of what kind of your system is? Like how yeah. do you in your brain separate the two? Like, okay, I'm, I'm working in someone's space that they want to enjoy or I'm working in a space where 
we need to get this thing sold. Yeah, so it's 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 more or less the exact same concept, um, but because they're actually doing setting it up to sell, then we. Um, way because they're still living in this space um first things first of course is just to make sure that they understand and get them in that mindset of knowing okay we're working on this to actually get the house sold so the sooner we can get that the better so then they're bringing in a concept of saying okay now we need to get um our sort of staging gear ready so every time we're having it staging we put, again and back to my concept of putting boxes and stuff closer to where you know. So when we know, okay, we have a viewing all set up, viewings are set up for this day, it's so much easier for them and they know. First of all, the personal belongings, those ones should be already done and like packed, or packed up and, and ready to go anytime. But then because they still have to live every day, there's stuff that they will need to use but are not really necessary for the buyers to see. So those ones, they would have to put them in a special sort of staging or um, sellers ready to sell kind of box. Right. So that when they're ready, of course we train them, or not train, but we explain to them as well and say, okay, this is how you're going to set it up. Cause I can't come in every time they're viewings. So we just let them know, okay. And just keeping it simple. Um, and then that's way they'll know, okay, this has to be set up this way. And this is the to set up this way. So they're aware that, okay, we got to get the bed this way. We've got, and they're ready for that. So, because it's very difficult. And like you said, very different when you're living in a place and your house is actually ready to be, it's, it's, it's up for sale. So how you do that. Um, and I feel like so far, at least for the clients that I've worked with, it's been a lot more first having that mindset of knowing they have to do that because they're, you know, the house is now, it's, it's the home is now a house that's, that needs to be sold. So it yeah. actually works for them and they enjoy being part of the process. So it's, for me, it's always, again, about a co-creation program. It's it's not just me coming in and telling you this is exactly what it's. It, I really start from the point of we're doing this together. I'm an advocate for you. So if you're in it, we're in it and we all win, you know, and more so you win, of course, more. So that's that way they're ready for it. And then they're prepared. And so obviously they know what to do when they're having staging. And I mean, they're having viewers coming in. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and you were talking before we started recording about uh, you actually having two two brands. Is that correct? yes? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What would be what's the other brand? Because you mentioned there at this point, because you've been doing this for um, a, a number of years, that they're starting to blend kind of together. Yeah. So I've been doing um, my first my my brand, which is the Latassi Design Studio, which was all about, you know, the African batiks, um, basically promoting the African batiks and promoting the artisan, the creative African artisans, in Af uh, the creative African artisans. Um, so that has been my longest brand. I, I started that um, back in 2014, rebranded it actually in 2018 to just focus on um, batikas and the creatives. Um, so that's been going on up till date. And then, of course, the interior styling became more um, focused for me um, two years ago because I, you know, just moved to the UK and settled. Um, but like I said, as of today, they were like two. They were, previously they were very two distinct um, brands. And because I thought, okay, I'm in the UK now, I have to do what's, you know, what's what the way it's set up in the UK, and I have to have a whole new concept for the UK. But I quickly realized that. Even with Latassi, my batik brand, 
I basically do from clothing um, to interior items because we do lampshades again with the fabrics. Um, we do lampshades, we do cushions, we basically interior design. Um, and that's that's something that's patched, it's always been there. And weirdly, I don't know why I didn't see it <laughs> before, but honestly, all this time, it was only until someone told me um, maybe at the beginning of the year that, but wait, I know Letassi as an African interior design company. And I'm like, oh, no, it's, it's just a boutique brand. I mean, we just, I just, I mean, we, because for me, for the longest time, I was just hellbent and set on making sure people see the fabrics and people see the creative artisans behind it. So I didn't really focus so much uh, on, you know, what are the products and the services that I'm providing. For me, those were just sort of avenues to get these guys seen and to get this work seen. Sure. Um, so it's just now, honestly, that it started to blend in and I was like, oh, and then because I realized I've actually done enough interior design projects from that approach, and it's picking up here in the UK as well, I thought, why not just you know bring them together? Um, because it's still all using the same concept, and I still do want people back in Africa to also realize, you know, as opposed to being so pushed and by the pressure of being on the on trend with what's new and and looking cool and looking. Um, you know, fresh and all those kind of things. Why not actually create a home and still have your African identity in there? Um, yeah, so that's where I am right now. And I'm enjoying it. I like it. <laughs> I didn't know that you did like furniture. You said lampshades, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And one big thing that popped into my head was like, okay, supply. Because if I went to go get uh, like an African piece, like a lampshade, I can't go to like a big box retailer. They're not going to have it. Yeah. So you one have to design it and two supply. So how, how do you work that? Like, how does, how do you get your hands on a piece that you want? That's like authentic. How does that all work? Um, well, two ways now, because first of all, the, the lamps, we actually make the, the lampshade themselves. Okay. Um, Obviously, yeah, we use the kits that are there, but it's all the fabrics that we use are um, from the batik. So they are made, uh, yeah, the batik, everything is made back in East Africa um, and as well as the, the lamp themselves. So what we do is because the priority or the main, everything comes from the fabrics themselves. So then the customer basically gets to choose the fabric and then they can decide I want it for cushions I want it for lamps um the lampshades I want it for whatever it is for the interior um or even when I'm doing a project and I say okay I think we have the right fabric for this and we can do that so that's how it works um so on supply side I mean that's that's like we have the the bare bones of like things of the cushions and when it comes to the furniture for some of the chairs that have been done again we just work with the um, local furniture makers and we tell them, okay, this is the fabric, let's create this chair, um, that kind right. of thing. But the thing though, and I think what I enjoy, I just always love a good challenge, is because the fabrics are limited edition. So these, yeah. these you won't find them ever again. Like yeah. even when I tell the Batikas, guys, we need to recreate this, they could, no lie, but it's a 50-50 chance that oh. you will get it looking the same. So that's also what makes it very exciting, but it also just creates yeah. a um, very limited edition as well. So 
Um, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's the fun of doing the batiks and really what drew me more towards um, creating my entire brand around this. Because even now, when you go to someone's interior, or if they want a specific thing, then we say, okay, tell the batikas to create that exclusively for them. And so the pieces have a story. Your interior has a story. It's always a conversation starter in every room that you go to. Um, and no one, and it's yours. No one else is going to, um, to have it. It's the same thing with the dresses. So for example, this dress, I have, for the brand, I only have one dress. Like we don't do like fashion lists and so many things. It's literally one signature dress. And that's yeah. again, back just wanting um, the fabrics to, to be the main show. So they have, I've sold more than 40 dresses now across the world. And each and every one of those ladies has their own fabric. It's never ever going to be done by anyone else again. That's, so that's cool. The exactly. unique aspect of that is awesome. Because obviously you can go in and you're like, oh, I've seen that floor like 30 times. I've seen <laughs> that paint color a hundred times. Yeah. So to have the pieces that are one of a kind, yeah. like that is, that's a, a unique little uh, prop that you put in for your clients. So that's, that is yeah. cool. Probably makes it hard with consistency because someone could see your stuff and they're like, oh, I really like that, the chair that you made there. And you're like, yep, we can try to make it somewhat close, but that's a one of a kind chair yeah exactly and and we and that's literally told up front and i put it all over the website and everywhere i literally tell you that is the nature of the batik yeah. and that is the working with the products that we're going to make for you and that is how it is so you i try to make sure that you come fully aware of that so yeah. yes you might say okay i want it to look as that one yes but because even twins don't have the same dna right and yeah they're the same but in there there's some dna that's not the same so yeah yeah <laughs> i actually played baseball with a set of twins and after day one i could tell the difference between the two they're, they <laughs> look similar but they're not identical exactly and that's the thing and that's the beauty of it as well it's the same thing with the fabric i've had a couple of people keep saying oh but because obviously there's so many different batikas and some of them just see the fabrics and it's so easy in africa to try and replicate these kind of things um, but then I, it's very distinct, even when someone else replicates it, there's still always a way that you can tell yeah. that it's, it's still just yours. It's still your piece. It's still your fabric. It's still your interior decor item. Yeah. yeah. And, and getting things shipped. Oh, sorry, Natasha, you can go. How exactly do they make these fabrics? Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Sorry? How exactly do they make the fabrics that you use? Um, it's basically the full batik uh, technique. Um, so it all starts from plain cotton fabric. So whether it's white or orange or whatever it is. But yeah, so it all starts from there and then they wax them um, with whatever prints or design that they're going with. Of course, they have like the motifs. So um, like for that one, it's probably, it was a stamp that they just, you know, repetitive and that kind of thing. But then they wax them and then dip them in the dye, depending on how many colors that you want to bring out. Um, that process of de-waxing and, and dipping it in dye and de-waxing and that kind of thing could be repetitive. Um, and yeah, and then after that, the, the whole thing is boiled and dipped into the last amount of, the last dye. And then you bring it out and dry it out and um, iron it off. And it's, it's it sounds easy, but yeah. yeah that's, that's, you made it sound very easy. And I'm, I'm sitting here like, I don't even know where I'd start with that. But, <laughs> you were intensive. Uh, yeah. 
it's such um yeah it's honestly i yeah i could do it it's such a a, a nice feeling um working with it all yeah yeah <laughs> and with it being made in east africa Hopefully there hasn't been any delays or shortages of you trying to get supplies. Like, how has that been for you the past two um, years? Well, it, first of all, um, let's see. As of last year, actually 20, 2021, I basically took everything back to East Africa. So 2019 to the beginning of 2021, I was it was all happening here in the UK. So I was making them my, as in, they were making the fabric. So they'd bring them over. Then I'd make the items and, you know, whether it's the furniture or the lampshades or whatever it was, I was making them myself. Then I honestly felt as I come on, be true to the whole story and take it all back to East Africa. So I took it back to East Africa, got the whole team to learn how to manage. So manage it, creating, dealing with shipping. And all, like literally I wanted them to learn. So for a whole year, and that was 2021. Yes, pandemic and everything, but somehow we survived. Um, and now it's uh, now uh, we've just relaunched the again back to me trying to bring the, the two brands together. So we've relaunched um, the UK side of things, but I've also relaunched it in a different way as opposed to previously when I had everything here and I'll just ship out immediately. Now there's a clear pre three week pre order time. Okay. So you order and this is what you want or this is what you would like. And then I tell you, okay. So then I send it back to the send the all the information back to East Africa. They make it or whatever. But um and then have it all sent in. Truth be told, I mean everything can be in within a week, but I give three weeks because anything can happen. The baticking process yeah. is just hit and miss. The weather could not play ball that day, or some of the fabrics may not be working out because like recently we had a problem of we thought we had everything. We thought the dye was okay. We fixed everything right until we realized the one thing you least expect to not work, which was the original cotton fabric was just not taking the dyes at all. So really? like, yeah. So imagine the last thing you'd expect, which is like the core of the whole project yeah. was the one that, because we had just changed the supplier, we're trying out a new supplier and his fabrics were just not taking the dyes in. Oh. So all the fabrics we had, we tried, we're like, what is, we thought event was one of the, the new team members that we got, like, maybe he just doesn't know what he's doing. You know? Yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, it was just the fabric. So yeah, we have a proper three week um, timeline for that um but i'm also trying to work towards um once it's all properly set up in the uk we will have some items that are set in collections so the seasons are coming and you're going to have this for your interiors it will only be available for that time and once you get it so we will pre i'm trying to now work because the challenge also with the batikas is there's they've been so used to making their own designs because I give them the power. I literally, all I do is pretty much say, okay, we have this order. What can you design? And I let them do it because I really want them to be the ones to do it, to, to shine. Um, and so, but now we're, I'm going down the route of, okay, we need to make some advanced um, concepts because the way things are done here in the UK or even just, you know, in America, or I mean, around the world, not Africa. Africa, it's easy, you know, you sort of like, you manage to get things happening around and, and sort things out. 
but here like things like um the fabrics have to be exact sizes they have to be uh, at a certain quality and stuff and that's what i've been trying to teach them so um it's things like that that now we're trying to say okay now i've been letting you do it you've accepted you've learned how to do the timings you've learned how to do it now we need to work on specifics christmas season is coming can we have red interesting new designs that you know we could use for the christmas collections yeah um and yeah. that's something that's kind of pushing them out of their comfort zone a little bit this is where the, so you... the two cultures come in exactly and that's that's honestly marcus that's where i am right now is now um and I always keep telling because people always ask, how do you do it? Like, how do you marry the fact that you're in two different cultures? I'm like, one, it's not even that hard because some things I think I'm like, but honestly, guys in Africa, you are just using excuses. Like you could easily <laughs> do these. And then I come back here and everyone's like, but how is it possible in Africa? I'm like, well, honestly, as you know, it's just, it's just, it's such a, a, an interesting place to be. Um, and either way, it all works. I just realized that it's just people just have a specific mindset about things. And then, and that's what I'm trying to change now with them. So, yeah, we'll see how it works. But I think it's going to be it's going to be good fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and obviously, you're keeping yourself busy in the UK. Are you looking to expand or how do you like obviously your clients in the UK, you can touch face to face. Yeah. Do you do any remote work where maybe in the UK it's not obviously traveling becoming harder? Yeah. Do you stretch outside the border and how do you handle those? Or is that not even in, in your wheelhouse at this point? It is. I mean, and, and, and that's, that's because that's where, again, me being both in the UK and, um, and from East Africa has really, it's almost been a natural process for me. I've had to do it regardless so even when the pandemic was happening I'm like guys what are you, what are you talking about <laughs> I'm used to it already because I have to deal with the suppliers there um you know I have to deal with some clients there like even just creating contacts for people back in East Africa to keep the whole thing happening I've had to always just do everything online so even with interior design projects the same thing so I've had to okay we're going to work on the concepts together let's I get back to co-create help them understand what it is and then I sort of um, pass it on to um, a contact that I've probably trusted and found um, in that area and I've done the research for you and you know sort of done all the background for you um, and then that's when I'll say okay to actually physically get it done these are the people I'd recommend and so those are kind of the lists I have when I'm doing the interior design so even things like the shopping I'll pretty much do the whole shopping list for you and I'll be like here you go just go click and collect <laughs> you know that kind of thing um, even with the builders and stuff um, I used to let as I used to just send recommendations which I think most people do it's a lot of work but that's also why I pick specific projects to work with because I really know that, that not everyone is going to be able to know what to do. So I try and give as much value and as much help as much as I can for um, all the projects. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. It, I mean, I rely heavily on my interior designer because I, I can install it, but don't tell me to design a bathroom because it's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, they've got styles and they think of things that I don't think of. So um, it's awesome that you're like the full service of, hey, I'll get everything organized for you. 
you don't have to worry about it. It'll it'll come together. And then give me your input where you, where I need it and where you want to, because uh, obviously you want to make them happy and give them yeah. the space they want. So it's a cool blend there. Yeah, thanks. No, it's and it's really rewarding as well. I think oh, that's probably what the best part of the job as well is just you know having those one-on-one -on -one conversations with the clients because then they're also starting to understand it and to realize ah okay it's like those light bulb moments i'm just yeah i live for them because yep. it's just and i think for me that's always the win i'm just like right now you've understood it and i try to keep it simple because i just i also have this motto like everyone complicates things and then you just make things too complicated for yourself sometimes it's just right there before you and that's why, again, going back to my principle of just use what you have. You don't honestly, you yeah. don't overthink it. Don't yeah. overthink it. You know, just yeah. work with what you have um, and start from there. Yeah. And, yeah, that is true. Well, it's cool. So with people that are listening to the show, um, obviously in the UK or in East Africa, or if you're in any other markets, how would they get a hold of you um, either bounce ideas or to get your expertise at a project? Um, yeah, so uh, the best place right now, as I said, I'm trying to blend things over is through the, the main brand now, which is called Letassi Design Studio. So you can probably email me at info at letassidesign.com, which uh, Letassi's website is www.letassidesign.com. Or if you still want to reach out to me, via my interior design side it's um 30 www.31homes.co.uk um that's a whole other story of its own why it's called 31 homes but it is 31 homes and it's soon going to be 31 homes by Letassi design studio anyway so awesome. yeah so those are the, the best avenues to to reach me um at the moment and um yeah we'll make sure to put all that in the show notes uh, yeah. And then if you have, if you have any unique like pictures of finished products or materials or furniture that you've used, yeah. we can also link those onto the show notes as well. I believe, correct, Natasha? Yep. Those uh, okay. on the episode as well. Brilliant, brilliant. I'll definitely do that. I will, I'll pass on the pieces that we've done. <laughs> awesome. That'd be so cool. Yep. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Keep it rolling. Hopefully you guys, you can blend this even more and this can become just like the powerhouse you, you wanted forever. Um, so keep on pushing. We're, we're rooting for you over here in the U S oh, thank you. so keep on moving. Thank you so much. This has been um, brilliant. And I know you said it's the first to have uh, someone from the UK, but this is actually the first time I'm having a proper interview with the new blended version with Letassi really? cooking. Um, so this feels so nice. I mean, I, I so appreciated that. Yeah, it is the very first time because like I said, I'm just in the transition and I'm towards the end now of really setting it up. So this is the first interview. So I'm super excited that I've actually been able to do that all in one um, and to just get a feel of what it's going to be like. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you'll get a copy of the show so you can use this for your marketing as well. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Awesome. Congratulations. Keep on pushing. We'll definitely talk to you here again in the future to see what you're up to. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Marcus. Thank you, Natasha. This has been so much fun. Have fun. It has. Have a good weekend. And you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.